Welcome to Unlocking the Truth, a podcast where we discover God's truth for ourselves. We want to see you at our Hold Fast A Day in the Word conferences happening across Canada in 2020. There will be one in Halifax on June 5th through 6th, one in Calgary November 6th through 7th, and one in Winnipeg on November 13th through 14th. Visit our website at www.presetministries.ca to get more details and register now. Do you want to know how to better study God's Word? Come participate in one of our workshops happening all across Canada. Visit our website for more details. Also head over to our website if you're interested in hosting some of the training that Preset Ministries offers. Are you interested in partnering with us in engaging people in relationship with God through monthly giving? Then be a part of our e-team. You can visit our website for more details at www.presetministries.ca. Now, stay tuned for Unlocking the Truth in our discussion on the book of Hebrews. Hello everyone, it's Mark Sheldrake here. Happy to have you with us on Locking the Truth podcast. It's episode 10 of the book of Hebrews. Originally, I was hoping that we would complete Hebrews in 11 episodes, but I have to tell you that I think it's going to be 12. I was working through the material this week and continuing in my studies of Hebrews, and there is just so much that we need to cover in the end of chapter 12 and chapter 13 that it's going to take two weeks. Hope you're okay with that. Just to give you a heads up of where the Unlocking the Truth podcast is headed, after episode 12 of Hebrews, Nathan Randall, who's joined us on staff, has served as a pastor for a number of years. Uh, He's in our accounting department. Him and I are going to walk through a four-week series Uh, called The Problem with Evil. And so we hope that you'll join us through four episodes of The Problem with Evil. And then following The Problem with Evil, we are going to start our walk through the book of Colossians. I just think that the Colossians is a wonderful book that we need to uh, dig into, and hopefully you'll join us for that. If you have been studying along with us as we've been doing this, Uh, The problem with evil, Uh, there is a material that we have here. It's a student workbook that you could get from us online. Uh, Don't worry about any of the other material that comes with that. We've used them for our teen conferences in the past, but they are modeled like a 40-minute Bible study. And we'd love for you to join with us in the problem with evil um, series and then Colossians, you can walk through the precept upon precept or the new inductive study series. But more details will be coming uh, with that very soon. Another announcement I want to make to you before we get started today is if you have not heard, but you are listening in, we have uh, free training, so no cost training all across the country this year. And so we are absolutely overjoyed that we have received uh, some funding from our E-team members and our people who give to the ministry on a regular basis that we have stepped out in faith and said, Lord, just allow us to do free training. And by doing free training, uh, hopefully it'll open more doors and 
give more opportunities to people who may not attend a precept inductive Bible study training workshop because there is a cost involved. So check out our website, preceptministries.ca, so that you can find out when training is coming to you. If you are on this uh, podcast and you're asking yourself, well, how can I get training in my community? Well, you could be a host of training as well. So we'd love if you contacted us here uh, at info at preceptministries.ca and we'd love to tell you how we can bring that free training to your church and to your community. Finally, final announcement, folks. Hold fast conferences coming up in Calgary, Winnipeg, and Halifax. Halifax is first, Calgary, and then Winnipeg back in November. Register now to make sure that you can be a part of those workshops because those uh, conferences with Kay and David Arthur uh, are phenomenal. And we're going to be working on through the stub- subject of Stand Firm. In Halifax, we'll be working through the book of 1 Peter. In Winnipeg, 1 Peter. And in Calgary, we'll be walking through the book of 2 Peter. So you can find out all the information and register online for Hold Fast. Make sure you register soon because there's limited spaces in all the locations and we want to make sure that we have a full conference for Kay and David at each of the locations. Preceptministries.ca as always for more information. So let me pray and then we'll get started in this week's podcast. Father, we do thank you for the time that you have given us today to get into uh, your word. We pray that as we go through this Uh, chapter 12, that you would bless the conversation that uh, we're going to have. Lord, would you just speak uh, through this technology today, and that uh, we would have a greater understanding of uh, the book of Hebrews. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So last week we ended our podcast in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. We talked about the race that we're running and the three things that we need to accomplish to run a really good race. First is we need to get rid of the junk, remove the sin in our lives, those hindrances and encumbrances that can entangle us. We need to run with endurance, and then we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. I found a really great quote this week that summarizes uh, the book of Hebrews as a whole. And so I want to start there before we start moving into Hebrews chapter 12, verses 3 through 17. And so uh, I'm going to start in Colossians, uh, Colossians chapter 1. And uh, Paul, he's laying out um, his credentials and who he's writing to. And then he talks about how he'd never ever been uh, to the church in Colossae uh, to bring the gospel personally, but Epaphras brought the gospel to the church and uh, was reporting back to Paul all of the fruit that they were bearing in their lives. And Paul, he mentions in chapter 1, verse 9, uh, through to verse 14, um, this really great prayer that he has for the church. And it says, uh, For this reason, also since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of truth, with uh, will, truth with the knowledge of his will in the spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk 
in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with power according to his glorious might for attaining all steadfastness and patience and joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And then in uh, verse 15, just to uh, cap this off, he says regarding Jesus, uh, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities. All things have been created uh, through him and for him. And then it continues on into all of this wonderful doctrine about who Jesus Christ is. And this automatically, as I was studying through Colossians and teaching our weekly class here um, that is in the office on Tuesdays, that the connection between Colossians and Hebrews is phenomenal, but both filled with doctrine, both filled with um, meat of the word, you know, uh, going through Jesus in the um, book of Hebrews, you know, he, God spoke through Jesus, pay attention to him, uh, come to Jesus with confidence, he's our great high priest. All of these exhortations that are uh, doctrinally based, you know, so uh, the quote that I found was that the book of Hebrews, even though it's all filled with doctrine of Jesus Christ, that the purpose of Hebrews and the writing of Hebrews was not just to teach the truth because they already knew the truth. They knew the truth uh, of the gospel. They knew the truth of Jesus Christ. Uh, some of them were struggling. Some of them were shrinking back, but they knew. And because they knew, uh, the purpose of Hebrews was not just to teach the truth, but it was to encourage those who believe the truth to live up to the truth. Now, if you take Hebrews in light of that quote, that it's not just to teach the truth, but it's to encourage them to live up to the truth that they know, you can see that all of the exhortations that come through the book of Hebrews do point to that. They do point to, look, you know it, stand firm in it, hold fast in it, be confident in it, and live it out. And that's where we start to come now into Hebrews, where in Hebrews 12, it's giving us, and in Hebrews 13, it's starting to give us these, these actionable ways to live out the truth that we know. And so that's where we come to the race that we talked about last week in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. You know, in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, he says... Um, he says, therefore, since we have the great cloud of witnesses, which is chapter 11, and all those who have gone before us, uh, let us lay aside every encumbrance and sin which so easily entangles us. Let us run with endurance the race that was set before us. So if you remember the last episode, we talked about garbage day and the importance of 
you know, get rid of sin. Take that garbage to the curb. Let the garbage man pick it up, throw it in the dump, never to be seen again. I was just thinking this morning as I was driving by a local um, shop called uh, Bibles for Missions that many years ago I took boxes and boxes of compact discs, CDs that you know, my car doesn't even have a CD player anymore. So I took them there, I dropped them off, and, you know, I never, ever wanted to have them again. And so it's the same with those sins. You've, you've got to get rid of them. You've got to get rid of those weights to run that race well. And, and don't look back. Don't try and go back to, to that way. Uh, you need to fix your eyes on Jesus. Run with endurance and fix your eyes on Jesus. And then in... Uh, verse 3, he starts to pick up um, another term of conclusion, another four that we need to pay attention to. He says, for consider him, consider Jesus, who endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. For uh, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin, and you've forgotten the exer and you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons, for what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all you have become partakers, then you are illegitimate son, children and not sons. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us that we respected them, and we shall, shall we not much rather be subject to the fathers of the spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time and seem best for them, but he disciplines us for our good so that we may share in his holiness. Listen to verse 11. All discipline is for the moment, seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful, yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So as we look at this whole topic that we've got coming through here, you've got in Hebrews chapter 3, from 3 to 11, you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times you have the word discipline. So if you're an individual who likes to mark up the text and you were to walk through, you'd see that discipline is mentioned twice. You are seven times. You also have the endu word endured that is mentioned uh, multiple times. And so if you go back to the race and you think about how long the race is, You've got, uh, first, get rid of everything that brings um, and weighs you down. Next, you have to endure in this race because it's a long race. How do you endure in this race? You fix your eyes on Jesus. And now, the author is going to say, let me tell you a little bit about Jesus and the race that he ran. And so, uh, he's going to lay out some of the things that uh, Jesus had to endure while he was on earth. Uh, hostility by sinners that were against him. Um, think about Jesus and what he went through uh, when he journeyed to the cross. If you want to uh, have a great study, go study 
uh, the book of Luke and just watch um, what Jesus had to endure, any one of the Gospels, to know what he endured on this earth. It wasn't much after his ministry started that the Pharisees began to uh, figure out ways to uh, hunt him down and put him to death. He was constantly under the hostility of men uh, in what he did. He was questioned for everything. He was tried uh, to be put into trap. I can't think, I can think of the uh, time that he stood uh, before um, Pilate and they brought all kinds of false accusations against him so that they could try to put him to death. Eventually, he was put to death. Think about what happened to him when he was uh, put before he was put to death. Scourged, beaten, mocked, spit upon, a crown of thorns, uh, a purple robe, all put on him, uh, a sign on top of the cross, King of the Jews. Um, he was crucified on the cross. All of these things that he did because he was being obedient to God's will for his life. And so here, what the author is telling us is that you, as you run your race, there is nothing that you will endure that is more than what Jesus endured. And so think about what Jesus had to endure out of obedience to God the Father, that in your obedience, the things that are going to come about in your life, the hostility that you're going to face, the difficulties you're going to face, are nothing in comparison to what Jesus had to endure. Listen to how he lays that out. For you have not resisted to the point of shedding blood in the striving against sin, uh, and you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you. Um, you haven't gone as far as Jesus has in what you are facing. He shed blood for his obedience to God. You Hebrews, uh, even us, maybe we haven't got that far. In North America, we have yet to face the persecution that other Christians have endured for the cross. If you think about that, we do have persecutions that we face. There's no doubt about that. There are individuals who are in families that are just in a complete uproar because people uh, believe in their faith. There are others who are standing on truth against um, the redefining of marriage and gender that are facing radical um, difficulties for uh, the gospel. There are persecutions, and I think that persecutions are going to come more, but yet they have not resisted to the point of shedding blood or dying for being obedient to God. And so now he's going to go into um, this whole um, purpose of discipline. Now, nobody likes discipline. You think about... Um, discipline uh, when you were a child. Did you like being disciplined by your uh, parent? Uh, I grew up in the generation of where children were spanked, you know, and so that doesn't really happen much anymore. Uh, when we had our children, when we had our children and they were young, they, they would have timeouts and they would go in corners, but uh, the most effective uh, disciplines were one where um, our children would 
fully understand what they had done wrong, and then they would come back in line. Uh, this is what's happening with the subject of discipline uh, here. He says, uh, you know, as you're going through these difficulties, even though you're not going through the difficulties that Jesus, you've forgotten the exhortations. You've forgotten the encouragements of why you should endure. Remember what the end goal is. Fix your eyes on Jesus. And so what the Lord is going to do is he's going to bring about some discipline to bring you back in line, to bring you back to the plumb line, to make sure that you walk in his obedience, that you're able to stand firm until the end, that you won't fall away from the grace that is before us. And so uh, he quotes Proverbs when he says, My son, do not regard light the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. Uh, if you think about it, there's two, two responses to discipline. One is you can accept discipline. You can go and say, this discipline is for my good. Or two, you can say that I don't, because of this discipline, I'm going to uh, completely walk away. And so what uh, we're going to look at is this whole topic now of how we handle discipline. Now, I want you to think about from the point of discipline. Think about when, if you uh, have children and you're listening to this, or you have grandchildren, uh, think about the one thing that you did not have to teach your, ch your children uh, when they came into this world. Can you think of the one thing that you didn't have to teach them? Pause for a minute. You didn't have to teach them to disobey. Isn't it amazing? That the entire time that once they come into the world, the whole purpose of the parent is to teach them to be obedient. When, when they come into the world and when we came into the world, we, we came in with inherent sin. We, we know the difference between right and wrong, but we have to be taught how to walk in, in a certain way. We have to teach ourselves. This is the younger years. You have a lot of no, no, don't. Don't do that. Don't don't do that. You you can't stay away from that. Uh, in the in the daycare within our building, uh, we have here we have one girl, and uh, her name is Savannah. Uh, Savannah is the most interesting little girl because if you ever have a chance to have a conversation with her, she is three or four years old, and she's like talking to a teenager. But one of the things about Savannah is we hear her name constantly within this building. And it's usually with a tone of, she's doing something wrong. One day, she was walking through this building. And there's a policy we have in the building that none of the children are allowed to run around. It's for the purposes of their safety, obviously. And so she was running up and down the hallways, and the daycare worker came and said, Savannah, are you allowed to run? Are the rules for this place in this daycare that you are allowed to run? And she said, no. And she said, you're not allowed to run. And they said, well, Savannah, why are you running? And she said, because I want to run. And I'm going to run. And no one's going to stop me 
from running. Three or four years old, the most interesting comment, and I thought to myself, huh, that parent needs to have a conversation with that child, and they need to be disciplined. Because nobody at three or four should be talking to another adult like that. And yet, what did the daycare people do? They took her, they put her in a corner, and they disciplined her. Savannah, I have yet to see run in this building again. It hasn't solved all the problems of disobedience, but she's not running anymore. And you see, God, he uses discipline to correct us and get us straight on the path again. I want you to think about the analogy that I gave you back uh, in the last episode of running the Chicago Marathon. The Chicago Marathon has a blue tangent line that runs down the entire race. If you follow that line from beginning to end, you will run a perfect 26.2 miles or 42.2 kilometers. If you sway off that tangent line to the left or to the right, you will run more than you need to. You will slow down in your race. You will be hindered in what you are trying to accomplish if you are trying to get, say, a qualifying time for the Boston Marathon. Uh, consider that line uh, the will of God, that if we were to walk that line in complete obedience to God, it would be the quickest avenue for us to get to him. Uh, it's when we stray from those lines and we start to uh, fall back into our fleshly desires that we get off the tangent line. But God's desire for us is for us to run that line, to run that line in obedience in that perfect path to him. Now, we're not to be perfect. We know that it's impossible to be perfect here because we're humans and we have inerrant sin within us and yet we have to strive towards perfection. We want to strive towards obedience. And so God brings about discipline in our lives so that we will be able to uh, run that race, run it well, and endure. But how we accept that discipline, that is the key. If we're going to accept it with joy, when we accept it with joy, we see the end in that, that that trial that we're going through, that suffering that we're going through, that discipline that we're going through, it's producing endurance, and it will help me to not fall back in that line again. James talks about that in his, in his book. Consider it joy, brethren, when you face trials and temptations in life. Uh, they bring about endurance. So our mindset towards the discipline is to understand that, you know, it's for our good. And so that's what the author of Hebrews is telling us. He says, it's discipline that you endure deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom the father does not discipline? If you think about that as a parent to a child, you want your children to walk in a straight path. I remember our daughter Logan. At one point, she was um, really misbehaving. She was kicking on doors, and we used to lock her in her room, and we, we debated putting locks on the outside to keep her in. She, we thought the doors were going to be broken down. But what she learned through the process of the discipline that we were giving her, that in our love for her, that we wanted her to walk a certain way and be obedient to the Lord, we wanted her to know the Lord, that 
all of a sudden, we were convinced. We've talked to her and we said, this must have been the moment in time where you accepted Jesus because you had a complete turn. And from that point on until into her teenage years now, she has had opportunities where she still needs to be corrected and brought in line, but she's running really well. And this is exciting for us that she's running really well and she's watching out for others and guiding them to run well. This is fantastic. We have people compliment all the time on how well uh, our children are running. And that excites me to know because it's what we as parents, Jessica and I, formed and shaped in our children when they were young so that they would run well. And that's what the father is doing. He loves his children so much that he is going to discipline them so that they will run well. And that's what we want to be a part of. Now it looks at, but if you are without discipline, in which all become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and sons. Uh, what he's saying here is the father cares for his children. So just like if you are a believer, the father cares for you. You're his child. He wants to take care of you. He wants you to run well. He wants you to be obedient to him. He wants you to walk in him, as Paul said in the, Col in the book of Colossians. If you're not being disciplined to get back on that, on that tangent line, you're not a child of God. He's not paying attention to those who are not children of him to discipline them and correct them and rebuke them and bring them into line. There's nothing to bring them into line to until they have Jesus Christ. And so this is what the father does. He disciplines his children to bring them in line. If you're not being disciplined, you're not a part of the family of God because he can't bring you into line to something that you don't believe and you're not obedient to the father. Verse 10, for they disciplined us for a short time. These are the fathers as they seem best. Uh, for them, but he disciplines for our good so that we may share in his holiness. I have in the margin of my Bible, and if you have an opportunity, if you're listening to this in the car, or if you're listening to this at home, you need to write this down. Uh, God always gets discipline right. You know, parents, we may not always get it right. That's why you have debates about things like, you know, back in the day, spanking was the way to do it. Well, you can't spank children now. The timeout doesn't work. Or um, another thing that Jessica and I used to do is we used to, we used to count to three. You know, we'd call the children if we wanted them to come to us. We'd say one, two, three. And if they weren't before at our feet at the, by that count of three, uh, they'd be disciplined. You know, well, it wasn't before long that you'd get off that and you'd be like five, six, seven, eight, you know, and you'd be moving through those difficult times and you'd be changing up the discipline. Uh, God always gets it right. That the purpose of the discipline that God is giving will always bring us into line. He's not doing it um, in a wrong way. And this is very important for us to stand. If we can have that eternal perspective that what God is doing is right and for our good, wouldn't it change the way we respond to that discipline that we are facing? It certainly would give us a mindset of, 
I'm going to be strengthened through this. And you know what? I actually do need to be brought back to the line. It's absolutely amazing what we're seeing here. Verse uh, 10 again, For they discipline us for a short time, as it seemed best for them, but he disciplines us for our good. So that is a term of conclusion. The so that that is there is that we may share in his holiness. The purpose of discipline is that we will be able to share in his holiness, in his inheritance. Illegitimate children do not have an inheritance from the Father. We do as believers in Christ. All discipline, verse 11, is for the moment, seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet those who have been trained by it afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Oh my goodness, this is phenomenal. You have that, you know, it is a difficult in the moment. It's not always joyful to be disciplined. That's why children cry when you discipline them. It's not a joyful time, but the outcome of that is that they can be trained and equipped. Uh, the word trained, that phrase, is used um, more than once in uh, the scripture, and I want to take you to a couple places where it's used. Verse Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14, uh, the same um, phrase of being trained. Um, it says that, but solid food is for the mature who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Um, the same phrase used that is in Hebrews chapter 11 for the purpose of discipline and training. Um, it's also used in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 4 verse 7. And in verse 4, 7 it says, or chapter 4, 7, but have nothing to do with worldly fables fit only for the old women. On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Um, discipline is the purpose of training for the pursuit of the goal. Let me give it to you in running format. An athlete must train to get the prize. An athlete must be disciplined to train to run well. Uh, you can't just go out and run a marathon. You could try. Um, if you want to see some great videos of people trying to do that, go on YouTube and search uh, run a marathon without training. 100% guarantee you will find videos that where runners have not run well. Let me tell you, those trainer, those athletes who have tried to run a marathon without training did not finish in the top 10. They probably finished and stumbled and walked across the finish line, weary and hurt, injured, but they probably still got there. Um, the purpose of discipline is so that we would be training ourselves, equipping ourselves to run well. Uh, the marathon, I love to run the marathon, but I have to cut things out of my diet 
so that I can make sure that I'm at my proper race weight and running well. Uh, there is a, a restaurant in town here, a bakery called Sweet Bakery. Um, they make this uh, pecan square, and it I think it weighs like five pounds when they put it in the box. One square costs $9. I mean, it's not just one little thing. It's massive. It is delicious. It is a calorie killer. Um, that's one of the rewards that I aim for at the end of my training because I cut all of that stuff out of my life up until the end of the race. Uh, why? Because I'm training for the goal. I've got to cut things out. Uh, I need to discipline myself to be able to say no to those things so that I can run the prize, uh, run for the prize. God is disciplining us so that we will say no to the things and get us in line so that we can run well. Uh, verse 12. Therefore, strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble, and make the path straight for your feet so that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Um, let me read that to you again, because I just want you to hear that. Therefore, strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble, and make straight paths for your feet so that the limbs which is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Um, in the marathon, in the running of the race, it takes discipline. It takes training. It takes strengthening. It takes the building up of the body so that we will run well. Uh, the picture that he's got here is he's gone back to the very beginning of verse 1 in running the race. He's gone back to um, the whole purpose of giving you the, the idea of the athlete. Uh, you have to strengthen your hands because they're weak. You have to strengthen um, your knees that are feeble. As you run the race uh, and you come to the end of, say, running a marathon or an Ironman, the one thing that they tell you, and this is what my coaches have told me, form is everything. You must practice form. You must train with things like cadence, with turnover of your feet, uh, movement of your arms, uh, 80% of running is in your back and in your spine. You've got to keep your form. When you don't keep your form, you ready for it? Your other body parts start to weaken. Some body parts start to do more work than others, and they start to break down and cause injury. So you have to work on your form Work on your strength so that your muscles will all hold in place and do the job that they need to do so that you can finish the race and run strong. Therefore, strengthen your hands that are weak and your knees that are fable. Make straight the pass for your feet so that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Run well, run straight, run with good form so that you don't get further injured but that you are strengthened 
as you go. There's no greater feeling than finishing a marathon and sprinting across the line with the same pace that you were running when you started the race. Uh, listen to what Paul says at the end of Col in, the, in Colossians just one more time with uh, the prayer that he has. How do you strengthen uh, for the race? Well, here's what he says in his prayer. For this reason also since the day we have heard, we have not ceased to pray for you to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will, with his spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for attaining the steadfast patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance. Uh, three times here, knowledge and wisdom are mentioned. Uh, the Greek word for knowledge here is epinosis, which is a, a fuller understanding and knowledge that forms and shapes the way we live, but it is a knowledge that we must gain and we must work at, and we do that by uh, studying. And so listen to what um, Peter says at the end of 2 Peter chapter 3. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory now and to the day of eternity. Do you hear it? Grow in the grace and knowledge. The same Greek word knowledge in Colossians is here in Second Peter. This knowledge, which is a growing knowledge that we have to work at. We have to study. We have to train ourselves. We have to be understand that the discipline we face from the Lord is for our joy and it's for strengthening and enduring us so that we will run the race well and stay on the tangent. But how do we train? We train by being in the word of God. We train by studying the word so that we know how to run the race well. By listening to this podcast, you are doing that. But it would be even greater for you to dig in for yourself. And that's what we're all about at Precept. We want you to engage in relationship with God through knowing his word. And so next time you have discipline in your life, and I can guarantee you will. Why? Because we're not in heaven yet. That when you have discipline come in your life, that you look at that discipline with joy because it's strengthening you, it's training you, it's teaching you endurance so that you will run that race well and you will run on that tangent line. We will see you for episode 11 in a few weeks. Father, we do thank you for the time that you have given us to walk through your word. Discipline is such a difficult thing, Lord, but it is something we need in our lives. It's something that brings correction, it rebukes us and pulls us back into the line that you have called us to live. Father, our desire is to be, obedience to you, be obedient to you. Help us do that. Find, us, find the things in our hearts, in our lives that we need to correct. Find those things and show us so that we can get back on the line and be obedient in your calling. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.